0: Good morning, 1015. How are we doing this morning? Yes, you guys are fired up. You're ready to go, which is a great thing. Uh, As I'm excited about the message today, as you heard Pastor Brandon say, we are in week three of our series, Family Circus. If you want to go ahead and pull out those notes inside of the worship guide, I also want to welcome everyone watching live with us online right there. The notes are right there uh, for you as well, because we're going to get right into it today, because uh, we have a message for you today that I am pumped up about. And this whole series, Family Circus, as we know, the circus is the greatest show on earth. Have you ever been to the circus you never quite know what you're going to get. We have people shot out of cannons. We have people flying around doing flips on the trapeze. I and mean, then we have some people who just look so unique. They're like, just stand over there and you know let people stare at you a little bit. Because you never know what you're going to get at the circus. And the truth is, as we relate that to our families, you never know what cause you're going to get in your family. Because I think a lot of us will look around sometimes and say, how would I end up with these people? Because, man, you just don't know. We think, man, if Bravo or E would do a show on our family, that's the meal ticket right there. That's how we become millionaires. That's going to be it right now because a lot of times our family can be a circus. uh, The theme verse we're using for this series comes out of Psalm 127. It's verse 1. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. And what we're talking about, and we covered this mostly in week one with the message of the ringmaster, that the Lord needs to be the center of it all. Because the ringmaster in the circus, he's in control of everything. If it's a poor ringmaster, guess what? The experience is probably going to be bad. People may get hurt. The acts are not going to go the way they should. But if you have a great ringmaster who knows what they're doing... Everyone looks to the ringmaster for control and leadership and guidance, and the show will go off with that hitch because he knows everything that's happening. The truth is us. When the Lord is the center of our house, the show will be amazing. And then in week two, last week, we talked about walking the tightrope. We talked about how culture and what Jesus has taught us, we are blending that line so much that we don't really know which way is which. We talked about the dangers of walking the tightrope and ways that we can walk and stand on a solid ground. And today, we've titled the message, The Clowns. Talking about clowns. Clowns are in the circus. Do we have anyone who's afraid of clowns in here? Any people scared of clowns? Anyone who likes clowns in here at all? Anybody, we're praying extra for you guys today. Because I don't like clowns either. They scare me to death. Pee-wee's big adventure when the clown stole his bike and destroyed it, ruined the clowns for me. I haven't liked them ever since. But the truth is, clowns are very polarizing. And they're in the circus, and they're mostly geared towards our children. And we're going to talk through some things today of how things are being geared towards our children that we don't even necessarily recognize sometimes. And I just want to be honest with you guys. This is not an easy message today. It's heavy. It's difficult things to talk about. It's not very much fun to talk about, but it's something we need to talk about because we see it in culture all around us. And this is not to take any type of political stance. No moral stance, no cultural stance whatsoever, but we need to address the things that we're seeing in the, in the world around us and how that stands up to the truth of God's word. Because if we are the church and we exist for the world and we truly believe the Bible from the front to the back, the back to the front, and everything in between, we have to stand firm on the truth of God's word. And if we're not going to do that, then what in the world are we even doing here? We're going to be talking through some things today and how it stands up to the Word of God because the reality is the world is not okay. Look around, the world is not okay. But the great news is that Jesus is and He's the answer. So let's pray. We're going to dive into the Word today and see what God wants to tell us today. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for today and for these moments. We never want to take these lightly at all. And God, I just want to pray over your word. I just pray that our hearts and minds are open to be able to hear whatever it is you're trying to tell us, to lead us in whatever way you're trying to lead us, God, that we'll put down every single wall and just hear from you, that we will leave this place better than we walked in today, Father, and we'll give you all the credit for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So number one, the very first thing that clowns do, clowns disguise Clowns' disguise. If you ever notice anything about clowns, they're wearing very bright colors, very loud colors. Come on, they have these giant shoes. They're wearing the nose. They have the crazy hair. They're wearing the makeup. They have toys or props that they use. They are in disguise because the reality is when you strip all of that down, there is a living, breathing human being hiding behind all of this stuff. They're in full disguise. We're going to see Paul talk about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. He says, these people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as the apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. They're running around in disguises, not being who they truthfully are. And if you've ever dressed up in any way, you've ever been in any kind of disguise, you know what I'm talking about that. I was actually in disguise this summer whenever my wife and a bunch of our friends went to the Garth Brooks concert. Listen, not a country music guy. Don't really know anything much about Garth Brooks other than he attempted baseball once, and that was a failure. But I was told, listen, you're going to have a great time whether you like Garth or not. It'll be amazing. But my wife said, listen, you got to at least look the part. Because I don't have cowboy boots or cowboy hat or anything like that. So she went out, she got me cowboy boots, she got me jeans that were way too tight, like a country western shirt. All that was missing was the belt buckle and the hat. I was like, listen, enough is enough. I think I've done a good enough job because that's not at all who I am. I was in a disguise essentially, and it was a great show. We had a great time, but I was in essentially in disguise and we're seeing this all around us. We're seeing things that are disguised, things like inclusion. We hear inclusion, a lot where everyone should be included. But the reality is, yes, everyone should be included unless you disagree with me and then you're bad and you're evil and you're extreme. We hear things like social justice. But the reality is social justice is the disguise for the looting and the, the burning of buildings and the violence that we see. We hear things like equality. And equality is, is the disguise for minimizing this group over here so we can maximize ourselves Instead, we're using the murder of innocent babies as a disguise of pro-choice, where in 2020, 930,126 babies were aborted in the United States. And listen, when you look through these subjects, inclusion, social justice, equality, pro-choice, yeah, that's what we're all about. That's what the church is all about. If you read through the Bible, he's all about all of this stuff. We're about inclusion. We're about social justice, equality, pro-choice, every bit of it. The church should be the most inclusive place you've ever seen. You should be able to walk through here no matter who you are, what your background looks like, what you look like, what the color of your skin is, what your income level is, the mistakes that you've made, the addictions you've had, the promises you've broken, all the bad things that you've ever done. You should walk in here and belong before you ever even believe. That is the church. That is what we do. Jesus was the most inclusive dude you have ever seen. People would turn their nose up at him because he was hanging out with people that they didn't agree with their decisions. Jesus didn't care. That's what the church is. We don't care. We are inclusive. Social justice, yeah. We have a very, very just God. Equality, absolutely we're for equality. Everyone has the opportunity at the gift of eternity, the gift of salvation in Jesus. It's there for everyone. Pro-choice. Yeah, pro-choice, pro-life. It's a very divisive topic in our country today. We're on one side or the other. The one side's right, the other side's wrong. Everyone hates each other who disagrees with the other. Our God gave us the choice. He gave us free will to choose whatever we want to do. If you write down this reference, Deuteronomy chapter 30, you'll see this. God says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death blessings and curses. And he says this, now choose life. I've set up life. I've set up death. I have blessings. I have curses. Your choice. What do you want to do? What's it going to be? But I'm begging you, choose life so that you and your children may live you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. He is pro-choice. Choose life so we can be together, so I can guide your steps, so I can lead you. Choose life so you can get everything that I have set up for you, so you can spend eternity, an eternity with me. Choose life. That's who our God is. He is loving. He is just. He is full of grace and mercy. He is saying, choose life. And we have the disguises that are masquerading as life, but it's just not it. That's something the clowns do in the circus. Number two is they distract. Clowns are there to distract. Oftentimes when something bad would happen in the circus, an act would fail, something would get broken, someone may get hurt, the clowns come out and they're there to distract you. They're saying, hey, look what's going on over here to not pay attention to the disaster that's happening right here behind them. And oftentimes they're there to distract our children and the children of the circus so they don't see the bad that may be happening. We'll see Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 19 and 20. He goes on to say, after all, you think you are so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up with it when someone enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything and slaps you in the face. You just are there, you just accept it, you're putting up with it and we're seeing it in culture today, we're just putting up with it. Disney is an example, I love Disney, we all, we grow up on Disney, the movies, the TV shows, Disney Plus, sports fans, you're all about it, we love our ESPN. But Disney has an agenda, they've been pretty open about it. Latoya Raveno said in an interview, she said, my team, Has implemented a not at all gay agenda and is regularly adding queerness to children's programming. Disney's wide open about this. It's happening right under our noses. Disney's diversity and inclusion manager, Vivian Ware, says the company is ditching the words ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls in its theme parks in order to not alienate transgendered children. It's happening all around us. And I don't think that this is out of hate. I don't think that this is all out of malice or anything like that. I think that it's because we're misguided. We've taken the word of God, we're saying it's archaic, it doesn't apply anymore. We need to create our own rules, we need to live by our own ways and this is what we're getting, our school systems. So we have an amazing teachers and counselors and public educators and they are raising a lot of our children because parents, let's be honest, we have to step up in some situations. We're responsible for our kids. We're not going to raise them. Who is? Everyone else is. And our teachers, they're having to battle this stuff. They're having to raise our children. But we're seeing stories and we're seeing things happen all over the country where we have drag story hour for elementary school children. Libraries within the schools with very graphic material where one parent actually had the books checked out, read them at a school board meeting. And the school board said, no, this is offensive. You're out of order. Stop reading this aloud to us. It's in the school library for the children. Some of it's required reading. We see where teachers are not allowed or are saying, students, don't go home and tell your parents what's going on. Parents are being kept out of the loop completely. We have things like gender unicorn and the gender bread man, and we want to make sure that everyone is able to choose their own pronouns. I'm sorry, but that's outside of the truth of God's word. It just is. I mean, it's right here for us to read. We see things like grooming that's going on, victim selection, where Young children are targeted, those who are vulnerable, and seem like they can be targeted for this. We see a a desensitization to sexual contact. We see isolation, don't talk to your parents about this, come to me, we'll give you all the answers. Don't go to your parents. We know that isolation is the enemy's playground. We see where the enemy is, is creating trust with all of our children. We just talked about it in verse 14. Satan disguises himself as the angel of light. He acts as if he's our friend. Like, no, you're right. I'm here with you. I'll be here with you. I'll walk with you, everything. And then wham, here he comes. It's happening all around us. Where these ideas and these thoughts that are outside of the word of God. We believe they're set up to protect everyone and protect our children. And I believe that is truly where the heart is. We want to protect everyone. I believe that inherently most all people are good and want to do good. We're just misguided. This idea of protection is actually harming us spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. Whenever they built the Panama Canal, one of the greatest feats that the United States has ever been a part of, a $639 million project, cost just about as much lives, cost 25,000 people's lives as they're building the Panama Canal. And you would think that most of it is because of the construction and accidents may happen, but it's actually mostly because of disease, yellow fever and malaria. And they thought because of the digging, the gases in the ground were causing this, and it's actually the ants that carried the diseases. So whenever they went to the hospital, that was a death wish. No one wanted to go to the hospital because everyone at the hospital died because at the hospital, they said, well, how can we stop this? We got to keep the ants away. So they put pans of water underneath all the bed legs, put uh, moats around all the trees and all the bushes to put water in them. Why? So they can kill all the ants so it can help save the people. They would later learn that ants don't carry malaria or yellow fever, but mosquitoes do. And mosquitoes love what? They love water. You know, they thought they were keeping everyone safe, but it was actually creating more and more mosquitoes and got worse and worse. The very thing that they thought were protecting everyone was the actual thing that was killing them. We're seeing that in our culture today. The very thing we think protects everybody is actually killing us. It's harming us spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. We're being distracted from things that are actually going on. And number three, clowns distort. They're there to distort the truth. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 3 and 4, he says, But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided attention to Christ will become corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we, one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. It's like the clown car, one of the most famous things that clowns do, you know, they all pile out of this car, you think, how in the world do they do that? Well, the truth is, what you don't see is what's on the inside. They rip out all of the seats, all the paneling and everything, and the driver actually just sits on a milk crate right there, and everyone has a specific spot that they sit, and they're all intertwined like a pretzel to give the illusion that all these people can fit inside of a car. It's all fake. It's all pretend. And that's what the clowns do. They come out and they distort. That's what we're seeing. The truth is being distorted all around us, where the churches are deemed as evil and dangerous and full of hate. Why? Because we stand on the truth of God's word. That those who believe in saving innocent babies and, and, and not being able to abort a Babel, they're full of hate and they're extreme. It's unbelievable. We've gone outside of the word of God. Even Jeremiah, it says in Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. The Bible teaches us that we're right there. Before we're ever even in the womb, we're there. He knows who we are. If you embrace marriage as a man and a woman, you're full of hate. You're extreme. If you believe that God created us male and female and that's it, you're, full extreme, you're extreme and you're full of hate. When the Bible clearly teaches us, God created them man and woman. And God never, ever makes a mistake. It just doesn't. It's being distorted. So what are we going to do? If we're the church and we exist for the world, how do we respond to what we see in the world around us? If you're turning notes over on the back, we have three ways to be able to do that. The first one, it's discernment. It's going to take discernment. Well, what's discernment? I'll tell you. 2 Corinthians 11.6 says, I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We've made this clear to you in every possible way. What Paul is saying is like, look, I'm not the best. I don't speak very well. I'm not the best or this or that, but man, I am full of knowledge. You want to know why he is full of knowledge? Because he has spent so much time with the Lord. That he has gotten close to the Lord. He's tuned out all of the stuff of the world, and he is getting intimate with the Lord. The same thing goes for us. How do we help create discernment? Get tight with the Lord. Every single moment of every single chance that we get, we get close to the Lord. We see this with Elijah, the prophet Elijah in First Kings, where it says he's out on a mountain, and there's this huge storm that's coming up, and it's chaotic, and it's loud, and it's crazy, but then the Lord comes to him in a whisper. We'll never be able to hear the Lord in a whisper if we're paying attention to all of the craziness and everything that is around us. Say, well, man, I just can't see it. But we can only see what we allow God to show us. And if we submit to him, we give it all to him, we get close to him, he will open up doors and open our eyes in ways that we could never even imagine. Don't take my word for it. Ask the Lord. Get into the word. Pray. I promise you, he will do things you can't imagine. He will open our eyes in ways we did not know was possible. It's going to take stop searching Google and start, start searching God instead. Because this is where the answers are. Whether we like it or not, this is where our answers are. We have to ask him for it. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous, generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Ask him for it. Talk to him about it. Pray the prayer. I mean, really pray the prayer we're going to pray, let's make it worth it. Let's be bold about it. Ask for it. Ask for the more than enough. Ask the more than you could ask, think, or imagine. Go out, be bold, pray the prayer, because here's the thing. He already knows. He knows what's going on. He knows what we want. He knows what we need. He already knows. He knows our ever innermost thought. He just wants to see if we have enough faith to actually ask him for it. We actually believe that he's going to follow through on the promises that he has said. Will he actually do it? Pray the prayer. Ask him for it. And he'll give you wisdom. He'll give you that discernment. Man, you just have that feeling in your heart. That small, still voice saying, no, 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 listen to me. It's happened for my wife quite often, actually. One of her main spiritual gifts, the top one is discernment. Always has been on every single spiritual gifts test she has taken. And if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are... Roots, it's on the Cultivate Church website. Go through Roots. You can take a spiritual gift test. You can find what your spiritual gifts are. But her top one is discernment always has been. And one year as she was going to Juarez, Mexico with Hunger House International through the church with our friends Ethan and Vizzy uh, Efferson on a mission trip, she called Lindsay a few days before while she was packing and said, hey, Lindsay, our daughter Elke is growing out of her clothes. Do you have any need for, you know, two, three-year-old little girl clothes? And Lindsay said, no, we, we really don't have a need for that at all right now. Okay, well, I can pack a little lighter. But there was just something in my wife saying, no, you need to bring these. They go the entire mission trip. It's a great mission trip. Nothing crazy happens. They're having dinner on the very last night. And a mom shows up to the orphanage, drops off a two-year-old little girl, says, I don't want this kid anymore. Take it. Kid had nothing but the clothes that it was wearing. That small, still voice. God knows even when we don't know. If we have the discernment to listen to him... If we get close to him, to listen to him, we will know the truth every single time. We respond with discernment. Number two, we respond with discipline. It's going to take discipline. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12, he says, But I will continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast their, that their work is just like ours. He will say, I'm going to do what I have always done because I am trusting God. In this manner, So I want us to ask ourselves the question, do we like the results of what we do all the time? How does that look for us? Are we happy with the results from the actions that we take every single day? In other words, yeah, I'm going to keep doing what I've always done and get the same results I've always gotten. Are those results what God, what's God's best for us? Or do we maybe need to change a few things? Do we maybe need to alter a few things? Maybe create some new disciplines in our life. Because God created us. He created the first family. He said, be fruitful and multiply, not just to fill people on the earth, but to fill the earth with people who will reflect his image. That's what God instructed us to do. Maybe we need to look at our lives and create some new disciplines in our lives. We need to embrace the word of God. We need to accept it. We need to believe it. We need to express it to our children. We need to show them that this is the way because parents, your children learn from you. If they're jumping up and down, they're screaming, they're yelling, they're doing crazy things all the time, most of the time, guess where they got that from? When mom and dad do nothing but scream and yell at each other all the time, guess what our children are going to grow up expecting their marriages to be right? Like a marriage where they do nothing but scream and yell all the time. The greatest gift parents can ever give their children is a healthy marriage. It is showing them the way that God designed us to live our lives because they will pick that up and they will reflect that every single time? Are we actively involving our children? Are we extending the opportunities to learn about what God says, to learn healthy habits? Are we being the parent that we're supposed to be? Are we raising our children? Are we going to let culture do that for us instead? Because they're our responsibility. God gifted us with children. They are our responsibility. And I get it. Creating a discipline, it can be difficult. Come on, we go to the gym and we think I worked out for a week. Why am I not shredded yet? I had a salad yesterday. Where's the eight pack? I don't understand what's going on here. I listened to that one podcast about investing. I put you know $10 in this stock. Why am I not a millionaire yet? I don't quite understand. We went to marriage counseling one time. Why is our marriage not better? Because it takes discipline, it takes habits, it takes time day after day after day. And eventually, that discipline becomes a desire where we have to have that. We crave that. We're thirsty for that thing. We think if I miss a day in my Bible plan, I feel like something's missing. I need this. Discipline becomes a desire where it's something we have to have. And the time is now, it's never too late. Psychologists say that we have four years for our children to build their character. It's 208 weekends. So those weekends when we wake up Sunday morning and say, man, I watched the game so late last night, I just don't feel like going to church and bringing my children today. Too much of that. They will be here and gone before we know it. We decide we want to sit on the couch and scroll social media instead of going outside and shooting hoops or throwing a ball or playing with our children. Those times will be gone like that. They're just gone. It's our job to teach our children, to teach them the word of God, to teach them about responsibility, to teach them about finances, and integrity, and purity, and hard work. and resp- That's on us. Creates disciplines. That's how we respond. And number three, we respond with doctrine. Otherwise, what are we going to believe? How are we going to believe? Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Take the test. Examine yourselves. Take inventory. Ask yourselves, what's my attitude towards Jesus? Like, really? Is he my Lord and Savior or just my Savior? Because we love Savior Jesus, but the idea of him being the Lord of our life, mm, that's tough sometimes. What does that look like? What's my attitude towards my sin? Am I generally concerned or am I thinking, man, I've got a gracious God. I'm going to go do this. He'll forgive me about it. Don't worry about it. What's our attitude towards sin in general? As long as it's not in my backyard, I'm not really going to worry about it because it doesn't really affect me. How does that look? What's our attitude towards the Bible? Is it the standard and the truth of our life or is it not? What about my spiritual responsibilities, my spiritual habits? What does that look like? Is it something that I know I should do or am I actively doing it every single day? What are we going to believe? Because how you believe is how you will live. And we hear so many times, well, I just, I need to see it. It's so hard for me to believe something that I can't see. Let me tell you, seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. When we have faith and we believe, man, we will have our eyes opened up in ways that we could never even imagine. So what doctrine are we going to believe? You may be thinking, well, this is overwhelming. I don't know. It's a lot. I don't know if I can do this on my own. You can't do it on your own. It's what the church is. We exist for the world. We exist for each other. We're here to lift each other up. Do we have a community, a godly community in our lives Is there to pick us up when we fall down? What does that look like? If we don't, we work towards getting one. People who love us for uh, for us, they could care less about the things that we provide. They just wanna see the best for our lives. Listen, life's hard, it's tough. We have to make a declaration that, as it says in Joshua 24, it's for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I don't care what people say. I don't care how people look at us. That's for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And if enough of us stand up and say, it's for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We can't change the world individually, but if we change our worlds, watch out what God can do. Listen, being a parent right now is difficult. I feel you. It's hard. We don't know what to do. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want to be canceled. We don't want to be hated. It's difficult. We're carrying a a heavy burden as people in general. Look around at us. We're not okay. We're stressed out. We're full of depression. We're full of anxiety. We're confused. We're frustrated. We don't know what to do. Listen, it's hard. We're carrying a lot of weight. That's where Jesus steps in. I mean, He even tells us, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. We're all carrying heavy burdens. The weight of the world is piling up on top of us. We're all carrying it. He says, I will give you rest. Y'all, we need rest. We need it. Just to pass our burdens on to him. He will carry our heavy burdens and give us rest. From my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. Listen, y'all, we're we're not okay. But Jesus is, and Jesus is good, and Jesus is there for us, and Jesus is right here, ready for us. Jesus is ready to take on those burdens. He's ready to take on the weight of the world for us because he knows that we can't do it. Life is hard. It all starts with giving it to Jesus. I want to pray for you. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes. Our worship team's gonna come back up. And if you're our guest today, listen, nothing funny or weird's happening. No one's coming to get you or anything like that. But I get it completely. Listen, so I know there are some of you that are here and you have the weight of the world falling down on top of you and you don't know what to do. We've all been there at some point. Happens to every single one of us. We're stressed out, feel like we can't get out of bed some days. We're worried about our friends, we're worried about our family, we're worried about our children. We're worried about our community and we don't know what to do because we have things that are being disguised and we're distracted and things are being distorted, the truth, and we don't know where to look. But Jesus is the answer. In fact, he's the only answer because different mentalities, different agendas, different things change throughout the years, but the one truth that stands the test of time is the living, breathing word of God. Jesus will not leave you. He will not fail you. And as people, as families, as parents, listen, we need Jesus. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. Our family needs Jesus. Our friends need Jesus. Our work needs Jesus. Our community needs Jesus. Our baseball teams need Jesus. Our football teams, our dance teams. We all need Jesus. Look around, the world is not okay. We need Jesus. And if that's you, we would simply pray that God today, I recognize that I need Jesus. That I can't carry the heavy burdens with me any longer. I just can't do it. And I'm asking for forgiveness for all my sins. God, I recognize that you sent your son to die on a cross as a sacrifice for me, to wipe it all away. Today, I recognize him as the Lord and Savior of my life, that I can't carry these heavy burdens any longer, that God, today I need rest, and I want to make Jesus number one in my And Father, for all of us, for all of our friends today, for everyone watching online, God, the world is a hard, difficult, chaotic place. And we want to pray for families. We want to pray for parents. We want to pray for our children. We want to pray for our school systems, for our teachers, for our counselors, for the people who who have influence over children. We want to pray for them today, God pray that you'll give them strength, that you'll give them wisdom, that you'll give them understanding, that you'll give them the guidance that we need to be able to navigate this life so we can live a life for you, God. God, I pray that we're not scared anymore. God, that we'll take a step of faith, even when we don't see the ground in front of us, that we'll know you'll be there to catch us every single time. God, we want to pray for every single one of us that you'll be able to lead us and guide us through this season that we currently stand in, all for your glory and for your goodness, so we can give you all the credit for what you're going to do, because you are God, you created the world, and you will stand the test of time. Nothing around us that we see in this world will, God, but you will, and we trust it and we believe it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give Jesus some love this morning? Come on.